what the topic is today, which is comparison versus calling. So the next seven weeks are going to look like this. Just want to set you guys up so you know what's coming. We're going to talk about today comparison versus calling. Next week, control versus surrender. Week three, we're talking about complacency versus passion. Week four is judgment versus mercy. Week five, blessing versus cursing. Week six, pride versus humility. And the final week, which is distraction versus presence. And so I want to encourage you to come back, bring someone with you. I believe we're going to see a lot of freedom happen in our church, in this place, and I hope you're excited. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of John. I'm going to be reading from chapter 21 today. But as I said, I want to talk to you about comparison. And I remember the first time I dealt with comparison, I was in fourth grade. Uh, I was in Mrs. Henson's class, and I started a brand new school. So I'm in fourth grade, I started a brand new school, and I start making friends. I start making a few friends, and I got a few friends in my class. And I remember when the end of the school year came and we did something called track and field day. You guys ever have this at your schools, your elementary schools? So we had track and field day, and uh, everyone was super excited. But what they did was the day before, a couple days before track and field day, we all went out and they did like time trials. And the top six kids from every different event, there were five different events, got to go on track and field day and compete in front of the whole school. So the rest of us sat in the stands and six people from each, uh, for each event competed. And I remember they came into our class the day before and they began to read off the names and they read off one of my friend's names and another of my friend's names and then this kid in my class I didn't even like, they read his name and uh, they went through the list and they finished reading the names for all the events and my name was not called. And I remember the next day sitting in the stands watching as my friends competed and other students competed. And I remember the feeling of inadequacy that, that rose up within me. The feeling of insecurity that I had. That I wasn't good enough. That I wasn't as good as those individuals. And I, I remember comparing myself for the first time. And feeling like, man, I got friends that are better than me at these things. And I remember this, this comparison just rising up, and it's something that I would say I've dealt with ever since. I've dealt with my whole life, and so maybe you all are like, uh, are super holy, and you're free, and you don't ever deal with comparison, but me, I do. And I deal with comparison, especially in this world of social media, uh, and seeing what people are doing, being on, constantly bombarded with, with what other people's lives look like, and comparison is something that naturally rises up. But I wanted you to hear this, that we weren't created to live in comparison. We were created to live at our calling. And so today I want to talk to you about comparison versus calling. And, and focus on this reality that all of us get tempted and pulled into comparison. But God has a calling on our lives. So let's read John chapter 21. I'm going to read, this is a story of where Jesus meets Peter and, and they have breakfast together. Now, just to set it up, Jesus has died and been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And this is the first encounter he really has where he has a conversation with Peter individually. Now, if you know anything about Peter, his story, you know that the night Jesus was betrayed, that he told Peter, he said, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times. And then the rooster will crow. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, absolutely not. He gets mad at Jesus. He said, I would never do such a thing. 
And then in the courtyard, while they're waiting for Jesus to be sentenced, uh, a few servant girls come up to him and say, wait, aren't you one of those disciples, one of those men from Nazareth, one of those followers of Jesus? And he says, I don't know the man. He denies Jesus three times. The last time he's so angry, he actually swears, it says, he curses and says, I do not know the man. And then the rooster crows. And he realizes that what Jesus had told him came true. He realizes that he did deny Jesus. And he's feeling, I would say, and I'm guessing, pretty discouraged and defeated. Jesus dies and he's even more defeated. And then he comes back to life. And this is the first encounter that Peter really has where they have a conversation. And I believe this is a restoring moment for Peter. And I want you to hear this because we all fail. But know this, that your failure does not disqualify you from the call that God has on your life. You may fail, but Jesus hasn't given up on you. You may have ran from God, but Jesus won't run from you. He runs to you, and he still has a plan and a purpose for you. And Peter is an example of what it looks like to fail, and yet for God to still use you. So let's read John 21, starting verse 15. It says this. When they have finished breakfast, everyone say, mmm. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So here's this man restoring moment. God restores Peter. He calls him back to be a shepherd of men. And what does Peter follow it up with? He follows it up with comparison. So listen to this. Peter turned, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, and the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Comparison. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What Jesus was saying is, listen, Peter, don't worry about him. You do you, boo-boo, all right? Let's pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Help us to be set free today. God, those dealing with comparison, set us free. God, those wondering what their calling is, give them clarity. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. I want to give you three ways to combat comparison today. Because I think comparison is a real thing that probably most of you in this room deal with on some level. But before I do that, I want us to understand why we compare, why we deal with comparison. So I have some ABCs of comparison. The first reason why is because we're performing our identities to keep up. What am I saying? We're putting on a front. We're being fake. We put on a mask. We want people to perceive us a certain way. And so comparison is real because or, or we get sucked into comparison because we try to put on a front and then other people are putting on a front 
Other people are projecting a picture, but how many know that the picture doesn't always match the person? I've seen a lot of pictures that don't match the person. Recently, I had somebody come to me, and, and they're a person that I've compared myself to. I've compared my family to theirs. I've compared my ministry to theirs. I've compared my teaching and preaching to theirs, another pastor. And they came to me, and they were telling me about all how many struggles they were going through. And how they've been breaking down into tears the last few weeks. And for a moment, a part of me was like, all right, I'm actually doing better than them. That's my flesh. But you know what was cool was in this moment, I realized like, man, the picture is often different than the person, number one. But number two, I was humbled that this person was willing to humble themselves to the point of telling me what was really going on in their life. So the temptation in, and why comparison happens is because we don't ever get real with anyone. So I'm not saying you should put all your junk on social media. I'm not saying every time you and your wife have a fight, you should like be uh, Instagramming it or doing it live. You're like, let's, do, let's go live on this as you and your wife have an argument. What I am saying is that is there anyone in your life that you are real with? Because what we do is we, we're performing. We're trying to project this identity because we're trying to keep up with the people around us. When at the end of the day, we're all messed up, we're all broken, we all have struggles, we all have problems, nothing is perfect. You can paint a perfect picture, but how many know in life, nothing's perfect? And so the reason, and, and this is letter A of the ABCs of comparison, we're trying to perform. Is there anyone in your life that you're real with? That you take off the mask, that you get authentic with and say, man, I'm going through a struggle. I'm, I need help. I need prayer. I need you to encourage me. Letter B is vocational accomplishments. Why do we compare ourselves? Because our identity in root, is rooted in what we accomplish. We've rooted our identity in the accomplishments that we have in our jobs. Now, I'm all for getting better, and I'm all for growing. But what happens is when our identity is rooted in what we accomplish vocationally, when, then when there's someone who's doing the same thing as us, and they're doing better than us, then we feel discouraged and defeated. When there's someone who started later than us or at the same time as us and they've gotten further than us then we feel beat down we feel like a failure and I want to tell you right now this whole idea behind this series is lighten up is that Jesus said something he said my burden is easy and my yoke is light what he was saying is that this life was not meant to feel burdensome this life was not meant to be something that you struggle through. Your story was not meant to be something that you walk along feeling like, why do I feel like a failure all the time? Why do I feel discouraged all the time? But what happens is we feel that way because we're comparing ourselves to someone else. Your identity is not rooted in what you accomplish. Your identity is rooted as a follower of Christ. And letter C is the fear of missing out. Everybody say FOMO. So my wife, she's in Guatemala right now. Pray for me. I have three kids by myself, six, five, and three. Man, we're doing good this so far, though. We got bass last night. They ate. They haven't gone hungry yet. We made it to church this morning. Come on, somebody. But my wife yesterday is FaceTiming us from Guatemala, and I took them swimming. And we're at the pool, and my wife's like, oh, I wish I was there with you. I'm like, are you serious? You're in Guatemala. You can't have FOMO right now. Like, I should be having FOMO. But this is it. This fear of missing out 
that we're not experiencing what someone else experiences makes us compare ourselves. Like they get to do this and this is all I get to do. Your story is not their story. So let's talk today about ways to combat comparison. Number one is take back the power. Touch your neighbor and say, take it back. Take it back. Touch your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, take it back. Take it back. Listen to me. Refuse to give people the power to hold your identity captive. We have given people the power. People we don't know or barely know, we have given them the power over the very essence of who we are. We got to take back the power. I came across this study. Uh, there was a university, Emory University, and there was a scientist. His name is Franz De Waal who did a study on comparison using capichu monkeys. So what they did was they gave these monkeys stones as a form of currency. These monkeys all got stones, and the monkeys would trade in a stone for a slice of cucumber. So they would do this, and they did this for several weeks straight, trading. The monkey would give a stone. The monkey would get a cucumber, slice of cucumber. They did this for a few weeks straight. After a few weeks... They changed up the experiment in one moment. The first monkey got a cucumber for his stone. The second monkey gave his stone and got a grape. And the first monkey went berserk. He flipped out. They said he was screaming, banging on things. Um, he actually threw the cucumber back in the face of the scientist. And then the monkey ran to the back of the cage and sulked. The second monkey ate his grape and then ate the cucumber of the other monkey living his best life. What did they find? They said that monkeys, like human beings, are prone to comparison. This monkey was upset to the point that he wouldn't even enjoy his cucumber because the other monkey got a grape. A lot of us are sulking in the cages of our life because someone else has grapes and we just have cucumbers. We are seeing people live their stories and we're comparing our story to theirs and then we feel defeated, discouraged, we're sulking, we're unhappy. That is not the life you were called to live. God is saying stop comparing and start living your story. Comparison, Theodore Roosevelt said this, is the thief of joy. Listen to me right now. I believe comparison is the root of the misery, much of the misery we feel in life. Living by comparison produces a fragile soul. And I wanted you to hear that you are not inferior to anyone else. Just because your story looks different, because your life looks different, does not make you inferior to anyone around you. It is the unique call that God has on your life. So Peter... He asked about John. I think this is such a unique story that we see in scripture where Peter asks about John and he's essentially saying like, look, you, you called me out. You called me out, Jesus. But what about him? What about John? Are you going to call him out too? I mean, I know I messed up, but I don't think he was perfect as you were crucified either. He compares himself to John's life while talking to Jesus. Jesus has just gone through this restoration with him. 
I mean, to the point of saying, I, I, I want you to see that Jesus actually called him out three times. I don't think that's by accident. Three times he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why? Because three times Peter denied Christ. He says three times, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. What Jesus is doing is restoring Peter to the call that he had on his life. And what does Peter want to do? He wants to compare himself to John. You called me out, but what about John? Jesus says, don't worry about him. You follow me. Don't worry about what he's doing. When I'm speaking to him, you follow me. We got to take back the power, church. Take back the power. Listen to me. I'm, I'm going to say something to you right now that is for me too. Stop scrolling and start living your story. Stop scrolling and start serving. Stop scrolling and start loving. I'm, I'm saying this to, to Caleb Cole today. Caleb, stop scrolling and start doing what you've been called to do. I get caught up in comparison because I can't stop myself from scrolling. A few weeks back, man, I was discouraged. I was, I was feeling discouraged. You wonder why? Because I would go home on Sunday and I'd start scrolling. I'd be on Insta stories and I'd follow all these other churches. And man, they paint a nice picture. And I'd be looking at all these other stories saying, man, man, I'm not as good of a teacher or a preacher. We're not doing as many great things as that. And I'm comparing myself. Now, the last few weeks, I told my wife, I'm going home on Sundays. I'm not looking at my phone and I'm celebrating what God has done. I'm going to celebrate what God has done in our church. I'm going to celebrate what's happening around me. Why? Because God is moving. But we're trying to compare ourselves. God moves differently in different places. He moves differently in different churches. He has different grace for different seasons. And so we got to stop comparing. Take back the power that we've given to other people, to individuals in our lives. Second way to combat comparison is this. Understand your identity. I said earlier, your identity is rooted in Jesus. Your identity is found in him. Now, I find it interesting that Peter compares himself to John, and then John actually talks about who he was. He explains to him, and John wrote this gospel. He says, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I think that's funny. But, but then he goes on, he says, I'm the one that laid back on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. Now, I want to contrast these two individuals because Peter was brash, man. Peter was outspoken. Peter was impetuous. He was rough around the edges. And yet God had a unique call on him. You see, what I think happens here is Peter forgot to just be himself. And he's looking at John and saying, man, John lays on the chest of of Jesus and Jesus hasn't called him out he's only calling me out and he's comparing himself and saying instead of saying listen this is who God made me to be this is how he created me Peter need to be called out because Jesus said Peter you're the rock on which I will build my church listen to me we all need greater intimacy with Jesus but some people are laying on the chest of Jesus and some people are the rock on which God will build his church and that's who Peter was Stop comparing your story to someone else's story. Stop comparing your journey to someone else's journey. God has called you uniquely. He's created you uniquely. He put unique gifts and talents in you, and he wants you to walk that out. Walk in the identity that God has given you, not in what anyone else's identity is. 
I want us to look at scripture. I want you to repeat some things after me. Because here's what I think. I think that a lot of us have lost or don't grasp where our identity truly lies. And scripture lays it out for us of who we are and where our identity is and how we can grab hold of this. So first, I want you to say this. I am accepted. Say it again. I am accepted. John 1.12 says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are God's children. If you've accepted him, if you've received him, if you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, then you can say, I am accepted. I'm a child of God. He loves me on my worst day as much as he loves me on my best day. He loves me when I'm in the valley as much as he loves me when I'm on the mountaintop. Second, I am secure. Say, I am secure. Romans 8, 28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. We are secure knowing that God will work things for our good. Not only that, but we're free from condemnation. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There are therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You may sin, you may fail, but you are free. You are not condemned. God is not a God of condemnation. He's a God of restoration. And he restored Peter. He wants to restore us to the right standing with God. That's why he came. I am accepted. I am secure. And finally, third, say, I am significant. I am significant. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Created in Jesus for good works. Say good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are significant because God made you and knit you together uniquely and specifically. He gave you skills and talents and abilities for a job, for good works, to give glory to him. I am accepted. Say it. Say, I am secure. Say, I am significant. You want to know how you can combat comparison? figure out where your identity is in Jesus when you start feeling insecure when you start feeling inadequate when you're comparing yourself I encourage you to say these things say these things about yourself because this is what God says about you this is what God sees about you this is what God sees in you third and finally if the band would come back the third way to combat comparison is to identify your call Peter Peter moved from fisherman to shepherd. But then Jesus dies and he denies him. And he goes back to the only thing he knew, which was fishing once again. Peter goes from fisherman to shepherd to back to fisherman. And it's actually this unique part in the chapter before. There's a unique part in the story where Jesus calls to them from the shore and Peter's fishing with some of the other disciples and they haven't caught anything all night. He says, have you caught anything? They say, no. He says, throw your nets on the other side. And they don't know it's Jesus at this point. They throw their nets in and they begin to pull the fish out. And it says that the nets are so full that they begin to break and Peter knows in this moment that it's Jesus. So what does Peter do? He actually jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore. And people have seen this. They said, man, Peter was, he was just so passionate about Jesus. He loved Jesus so much. He actually dives out of the boat because he wanted to be the first one there. But I think that the reality is Peter wanted to get to Jesus first 
because he knew he needed to apologize to Jesus. He was still broken and discouraged and defeated over his failure. So he dives in. But Jesus has this restorative restoration moment with Peter. And what I believe is happening is he was telling him, listen, you can't go back to that old life. You weren't created for or meant for that old life. I have a calling on you. You were a shepherd or you were a fisherman, but now you're a shepherd. You can't go back there. Some of you in this place, you've got pulled back into your old life, to that old sinful life. Maybe you got pulled back into that old relationship that, that you know isn't God's call on your life, but you got pulled back and God said, no, it's time to walk into your new call. It's time to walk into the call that I have for you. And this is what Jesus does with Peter. He says, you were a fisherman. He says, do you love me? He says, you know I love you, Lord. He says, feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. You're no longer a fisherman. You're a shepherd. You know the calling I have on your life. And I want to tell you, man, when I was 12 years old, I went down front after one of my grandfather's sermons and I was praying and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but I heard it. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart said, I want you to be a pastor. I was 12 years old. My grandfather came up to me after the sermon and uh, he said, Caleb, what was God speaking to you down front? I said, Grandpa, he told me I was going to be a pastor. He said, of course he did, Caleb. Like my grandfather would only do. He said, of course he did. I went through high school knowing my call. I went straight to Bible college, graduated in a four years, straight to seminary. I graduated at 23 years old with a master's in theological studies, became a youth and young adult pastor. And man, I, I remember pursuing my call so specifically because I knew what my call was. But I know that a lot of you in this room, you don't have that story. A lot of you in this room are going, I, I don't know what my call is. I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know my calling in this world. And so I, I, I came up with a formula. I don't believe God is a formula, but I think this is going to help somebody today. This is a math equation for your calling. I barely passed Algebra 2. Thank God, Bible College, we had no math classes. But I got a math equation for you. A plus B plus C equals D. Here we go. A, your calling is to worship. I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. Every one of you, your number one calling is to worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that our lives would be a spiritual act of worship. What am I saying? Every breath I take, every step I take, every move I make. <laughs> I'm singing a song here today. <laughs> I'll be worshiping you. Everything we do is worship to the Lord. That everything is worship. So you get this right, man. You're, Caleb, you're saying that everything I do is worship? Yes. You get this right, your calling starts to make sense. A is to worship. B, letter B, is to bring heaven to earth. Let me tell you something. Jesus was heaven come to earth. And now the spirit of Jesus lives in you. You carry heaven with you wherever you go.
when you walk in the room heaven comes when you walk into your job heaven goes with you when you're at home with your children heaven goes with you when you're when you're hanging out with friends heaven goes with you we have a call to bring heaven to earth you and I we bring heaven to earth we worship we bring heaven to earth and let her see to walk in obedience to Jesus listen to me right now some of you going I don't know my calling I can't find my calling it's real simple if you say everything I do is worship I'm going to bring heaven wherever I go and everything I do will be out of obedience to my Savior then guess what happens you can pursue opportunities as worship heaven bringers and obedience followers what am I saying wherever you are is your call the family you're in is your call the children you have I know there's times I want to trade my children in but they're my call I'm called to them I'm called to love them I'm called to worship by serving them I'm called to worship by but to worship God by serving my wife to bring heaven to earth in your job the job you have right now it may not be the job you want but it's the job you're in and God has called you there for this season for right now what is your call it's to be worshipers to be heaven bringers to be those of obedience to Jesus wherever he has placed you that is your call if you grasp this I'm here to tell you you're gonna walk a whole lot more free the idea behind this series is lighten up but here's what I see I see a lot of people running their race burdened running their race with a heaviness running their race with a weight and I want to tell you your burden was not meant to be heavy your race was not meant to be weighted it was meant to be light you were meant to walk out this life with joy with hope with future in mind with with passion and yet a lot of people are walking through life feeling wait why because we're caught up in comparison we're caught up in what someone else's story looks like rather than celebrating in our story saying this is my story and I'm gonna worship in it Thomas Merton said this for each one of us there is only one thing necessary to fulfill our own destiny according to God's will to be what God wants me to be listen to me that's it that we would say God I want to be what you want me to be I don't want to be what anyone else is what you want anyone else to be I want to be who you want me to be God wants you to be unique he wants you to be specific he has a unique and specific call in your life stop comparing yourself to what other people are doing and start walking out the race that God has called you to, to run it's not meant to be burdensome it's not meant to be heavy it's meant to be light and God wants to walk you in to the lightness and the joy that is found in your race today I believe God is gonna set some people free from comparison and free to walk into their calling